Blog Talk Radio. And good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to the Jets podcast on 247sports.com. The New York Jets, as they have already announced their brand new head coach, uh, to, to some dismay of some people, have uh, already have already uh, announced their head coach in um, Adam Gaze. And we are going to discuss this all on this show today to make sure that we get everything done the right way. Along with Michael Cohen, as well as Rick Lachlan, waiting for Rick Lachlan to call in uh, to discuss this with Michael Cohen and I. I'm your host, Daniel Feuerstein. Michael, are you there? You're fired. This is a terrible way to open up a show with like this. How dare you? Yes, I am here. Well, tough. Good. Thank you very much. Well, listen, I'm waiting for Rick to call in so we can get this this whole thing going. But let's go ahead and um, get ready for this the discussion. So we already know Adam Gaze what do you, what, what, what introduced. What exactly do you want to discuss? What do you want to discuss? Well, this, what a mess well, this franchise is? What listen, do you want to discuss? Well, listen, before we discuss this franchise, let, let's let's go ahead and discuss this hire. Apparently... Some people are saying it's a great hire. There are some people that are saying this is a terrible hire. Apparently, the man who was supposed to be the one to bring the Jets uh, into uh, the promised land, shall we say, was not hired. Something happened, whether it was through the Packers or it was done by uh, other forces outside of the Jets to not bring over Mike McCarthy at the moment the Jets are looking well there are probably more than less than people are saying this is a terrible hire what has Matt uh, Adam Gase done and your thoughts please well the only reason why Mike McCarthy didn't get the job is because the Jets wouldn't let him have any say in staff that's been reported several times um now there is also a report out there that maybe he just wanted to sit the year out. That's been out, that's been floated out there too. But the understanding is that he wanted the job. He even had his people, his agent, put out word that he wanted the job, and the Jets decided that they that they were not going to hire him because there was a disagreement disagreement in coaching in staff. Now the Johnson brother or Chris Johnson has denied that. He has vehemently denied that it was anything about staff. He did that for both McCarthy and for Matt Rule. But what disturbs me most of all is the fact that this 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 franchise, this joke of a football team that uh, we call the New York Jets, maybe they should just change their names to the New York Jokes, uh, for that matter, actually considered hiring Matt Rule instead of Mike McCarthy before this ever happened. In fact, we could be sitting here talking about Matt Rule and maybe his, maybe his eyeballs today uh, instead of Adam Gase. That's how that's how crazy this franchise is. But be as it may, they just decided not to have Matt Rule because of the simple reason. He, they said, what kind of coaching staff do you want? And he listed off a bunch of college guys who have no NFL experience. That into that conversation. So now you, the Jet fan is stuck with a guy in Adam Gates who's two games under five hundred, and who, who looks like a cross between uh, Elmer Fudd or uh, Elmer Fudd and uh, the uh, Beaker, Beaker Muppet from the Muppets. <laughs> <laughs> Well, 
let me just say this. And, of course, you know, we, we're trying to be, a, you know, give out uh, analysis here when it comes to I am this sort analysis. of thing. No, 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 no. I'm talking to the audience here. I'm talking to the audience. I'm trying to let the audience know, look, we're, we're trying to give out, uh, you know, as much criticism, positive, negative, as much as possible. Uh, but the truth is, is that, you know, I think that goes to show you right away, Michael, that, you know, he he can't seem to handle the press a little bit. You know, he looked uncomfortable at the table. The whole day was uncomfortable. The whole day was uncomfortable. I understand. The whole day was uncomfortable. But you know what? He looked uncomfortable. And I mean, if this is part of his issues of facing the media after each and every game, home or away, um, all I can say is is that at the moment – uh, it's not off to a good start. This is not off to a good start, in my opinion. Um, you can say all you want about him being a quarterback guru or whatever it is. You know, I haven't seen it. And I don't care if he's handled players like Peyton Manning or Jay Cutler or even Ryan Tannehill, who he basically lost the entire 2017 season. The truth of the matter is, is that it's what he has to do with the rest of the roster. Now, granted, he will not have control of the roster, which is a positive thing. But once again, uh, this situation uh, that is basically, uh, you know, been presented to us by Christopher Johnson as well as Mike McCagney, the general manager of the New York Jets. This is a man that basically hasn't done much for the Dolphins. I don't care if he has a five and one record against the Jets. That means nothing. What you want to see from a head coach is growth. And what you want to see from a head coach from his last job is to see how he's going to handle uh, you know, the players and the personalities that they have. And he needs to bounce ideas off of them. And if he can't do that, well, which he didn't do in Miami, then he, how is he going to do that with the Jets? Well, he accomplished absolutely nothing in Miami. I mean, other than the record being two games under 500 for what it was, the players couldn't stand and the reports that at the end of the year – Players wanted him out of uh, out of out of the uh, head coaching position. They want him out of the building. Uh, the reports that he got into a, a argument apparently, screaming at uh, Stephen Ross, the Miami Dolphins owner. Uh, these aren't good signs. Now there was a contradictory report by uh, Mr. Fabrication himself on uh, a certain radio station in New York that uh, Gase uh, Gase forced himself forced his way out. That he uh, wanted to look for another job. I don't I don't know if I believe that. He just got flat out fired. Let's just go for what it is. He underachieved as a head coach. The quarterback situation was a debacle. I mean, this is a guy who, well, the big problem with him is he, he trusts bad quarterbacks too much. He falls in love with Jay Cutler. Jay Cutler is not a great quarterback. Is there anything, what, what great things did Adam Gates do for Jay Cutler? Give me, give me. You can't tell me anything that he did great for Jay Cutler. It's nothing. Uh, Brian, Brock Osweiler, give me a break. I mean, he trusts too many bad quarterbacks. And look, Ryan Tannehill, nothing to write home about. The guy was either injured, and when he did play, was basically a poor man's version of Drew Bledsoe. The guy wasn't that good. So now he comes to the Jets. He has a 21-year-old quarterback, and while a lot of people say, hey, this is great. we got a quarterback guru, quarterback man. The quarterback guy is going to come in here and he's going to work with Sam Darnold. You know what? If you're a Jet fan, you should be scared to death of just the idea of Adam Gase getting his hands on Sam Darnold. Scared to death that this guy is going to run this quarterback into the ground. That he's going to run this team into the ground. And then we get word that 
he wants to have the defensive coordinator basically be the head coach of the defense. Well, that's great. And look, Greg Williams is a very good defensive coordinator. Okay, He's going to certainly add some credibility to that locker room. I think the guys will feed off of him well. But the fact is, if you're the head coach, you're Van Gates, you're the CEO of the entire team. Haven't we seen this before? This movie before where you have the head coach say, I'm going to focus on one side of the ball, and that's it. Well, here we go again. Now we got it with the offensive guy, with Gates. This has all the earmarks of a train wreck. And last thing, I'm sorry, I know that uh, people say, well, the press conference doesn't matter. The press conference sets the tone. And yes, if that was if that was the tone setter, we are in for a hell of a ride, my friend. A hell of a ride, and not a good one. <laughs> I mean, look. I mean, we have to admit this. I mean, you know, that press admit conference it. didn't look. Look, that press conference, in my opinion, didn't look uh, like there was enough confidence in the room. Christopher Johnson yeah. can say any you know um, anything he wants. Christopher Johnson can go out to the podium. And he can, with his raspy voice, you know, showing confidence in his hire in Matt Gaze and this and that and everything. But the truth of the matter is this, is that Adam Gaze did not look confident to me. Is that his intensity? Apparently Adam Silver um, from NFL Network at a roundtable show was saying this is who he is. He's just showing how, how intense he's, he is, that he's ready to go. If that's intense, then I don't even know what confidence looks like because, to me, that just did not look like a press conference that was worthy of a man that's taking a job in the National Football League. And once again, for those of you that were upset with how I worded my article about Peyton Manning's interference with the Jets coaching hire, yes, and I will continue to claim interference because Peyton Manning – I don't care how much he liked being under uh, offensive coordinator Adam Gaze, okay? If you're going to do that to the Miami Dolphins, why are you going to do that to the New York Jets? Why are you going to try and fool fool two NFL teams to take a guy like Gaze, who, in my opinion, is a failure of a head coach? Now, that's that's his boy. That's why he did it. And that's the shame of it, and that's the shame of it, and that is the shame of it. Now, here's the thing. If you want him to become an offensive coordinator, then by all means, I'll hire Adam Gaze as an offensive coordinator. I think that's a fair assessment. I think he'll be a better offensive coordinator than a head coach because right now Adam Gaze has proven to me that he has no clue what he's doing as a head coach of a National Football League team. He has proven to me, as he has proven to you, Mr. Michael Cohen, that this man, Adam Gaze, has no idea what to do. He is always acting of a, shall we say, um, being being uh, confrontational with his players. If you well, saw you and read, let me just finish this off. If you read those reports that they were happy that Adam Gaze was fired by the Dolphins, all those players, and you know what? Then, by all means, why should he even bother having another head coaching job in the National Football League? You're well, I mean, all these guys get second chances. I mean, it's ridiculous. I mean, even Hugh Jackson got another job as a head coach when he got the Browns job. <laughs> Jesus. I mean, you know, still. Um, 
I don't know if it's that he doesn't know what he's doing. I think it's just that he's really bad at what he's doing. And my my concern is that he had no time between jumps to really think about what kind of head coach he wants to be and how he wants to be a successful head coach in this league. You know, this guy basically has been spoon-fed. You know, he's had no football experience until, what, until, what, six, seven, eight years ago in the NFL. Uh, he was a uh, he was a a, uh, a Nick Saban guy going back to Mich- the days of Michigan State and uh, followed Nick Saban around at LSU and then somehow eventually gets his way into the NFL and becomes this great play caller, so-called, because he latches his latches on to Peyton Manning. I mean, Peyton Manning would make me look like a great play caller. I mean, that, I mean, Jesus Christ. I mean, you know, my goodness. But how did this guy, what's this guy learning from what he experienced in Miami? That's the biggest concern. You have to have, if you're any kind of fan of this team, uh, because with uh, most coaches who fail as a head coach or struggle as a head coach the first time around, do better the second time around when they have a few years in between. They can go back, be a coordinator, go back, be an assistant coach, and just kind of look at it from a different uh, different viewing glass. And that didn't happen for Gates. So what did he learn? What exactly mistakes did he learn from in his last time out? And the answer to me is, A, we'll see. Okay, we'll see what happens. And B, I have my doubts that he learned anything. Because literally 10 days after he gets fired, he gets the JIT job. Yeah. That's absolutely true. Absolutely true. And, you know, if he thinks he's had issues with personalities on the Dolphins, um, he's going to love Jamal Adams. That's for sure. Oh, boy. They're going to hate each other. I know. I mean, this is a situation where, you know, Jamal Adams is very outspoken. He wants to be a leader on the defense. He wants to be one of the leaders on the Jets, which at times he has proven and at times he hasn't proven. But he's still a young player. Still has time to round out his game. But as we've already said, do you want to know why I was upset on Twitter, Michael? Because here we have, I'll tell you, here we have a future quarterback in the National Football League in Sam Darnold. He has proven already that he can can play in this league. It took Mm -hmm. him an injury for him to settle down, but Sam Darnold can play in this league. I mean, he basically was involved in four of the five touchdowns um, against the Green Bay Packers. Mm-hmm. And you're going to have a guy like Adam Gaze taking over and trying to have him uh, learn or at least teach Sam Darnold what to do. I mean, good luck well, because I pray to God. Well, we, I Wait, hold on. I pray to God that Sam Darnold does not get destroyed and ruined by this man. Rick Lachlan joins us right now. Uh, Rick, um, your thoughts of the hire before uh, any other comments, please. And, and sorry about that. I had some technical issues. I think my phone has a mind of its own, just like Christopher Johnson. I mean, I, I'm sure you guys got into it. And, and I was listening to the top of the show. I mean, that was quite a spectacle yesterday. Just seeing Adam Gase's demeanor doesn't look comfortable in front of the cameras doesn't look to be a media-friendly type of guy. I mean, there's been uh, memes and jokes all throughout the Internet uh, regarding his eyes and having googly eyes and not being able to look in one place. And, look, none of that's going to matter if this guy comes in and he leads the Jets back into the playoffs and snaps that the longest right. playoff drought in the NFL, which, surprisingly, uh, Cleveland owns that right, but the Jets are not far behind them. So um, that has to be at the forefront of Jets fans' mind that, look, 
the reason that Christopher Johnson went with Adam Gase over a guy like perhaps Mike McCarthy is he felt like Adam Gase is coaching to where the NFL is going, that he's a forward thinker, that he's young enough in his profession, but he also started in the coaching ranks at a very young age, so he has a wealth of experience to fall back on. I think Christopher mm-hmm. Johnson, this wasn't a hire for two or three years. This was going to be the five- or ten-year plan as a guy that can develop Sam Darnold. And the question remains, I mean, Adam Gates, whether it was taking over in Miami and trying to make Ryan Tannehill a franchise quarterback, which, frankly, I don't, I don't even think the Midas touch could do that, or no. during his time with the Denver Broncos, the offensive coordinator having a Peyton Manning the back nine of his career with his body breaking down, this is a whole new animal with Sam Darnold at 20, 21 years of age, all the tools and resources in front of him. So if there's ever a time for Adam Gase to finally realize his potential as a coach, all the chips are in the middle of the table, the Jets have all the resources to make it happen, and they finally have a franchise quarterback. So there's going to be no excuses. I know I, I wrote an article about this, that he's going to be on a short leash. I'm not going to say if he doesn't make the playoffs in the first year, he's going to get the hook. But, man, he's going to do a, have to do a heck of a lot to endear himself to this Jet fan base that I think a lot of them were gearing up for Mike McCarthy or perhaps another hire, and this kind of blindsided a lot of Jets fans. I think, most, I think the thing that disturbs me most of all is the fact that you get from the owner that there is no playoff mandate. Now, I understand if you go 10-6, and six, you miss the playoffs. Obviously, no one's getting fired, but to sit there, you know, so I can understand you want to say there was no, there was no playoff mandate on that. But when you're coming off of you know, three straight years of 11-plus losses of, and not making the playoffs for eight straight years, and you tell your fan base while you're sitting next to a coach who is, uh, I guess, watching uh, flying tacos fly through the air uh, or something, <laughs> whatever he was doing, that there is no playoff mandate, it's, it's not a good look. And it's not what the fans want to hear, obviously. And, you know, if you're the owner of a team, I, I understand that he expressed a desire to win a Super Bowl at another press conference, but you got to continue to harp on that if you're Chris Johnson. you got to keep saying, I demand a championship. I expect a championship. This is the coach that we feel can bring a championship to New York. And you didn't get that yesterday. You got this very, well, you know, this is Adam Gase, and, uh, you know, there's no playoff mandate. I mean, here we go again. I mean, that's, that's, that's the thing that bugs me most of all. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing that bothers me as well, Rick, is that there's no playoff mandate. I mean, look, you expect – every year when the NFL season starts that you want to make the playoffs. Now, granted, I said two years ago when, or I should say last year, 2017, I didn't expect the Jets to make the playoffs. I didn't think they were going to make the playoffs. I'm willing to sit back, relax, and watch how the season breaks down because it's the start of a true rebuild. As soon as Sam Darnold came in, and as soon as we saw that opening game against the Detroit Lions at Ford Field, I said to myself, maybe we got something special here, boys. Maybe something special is finally going to happen. Then they go on a three-game losing streak. They go one and three in four games. Then they go three and three in the next two games by destroying the Broncos and defeating the Indianapolis Colts. And then it all fell apart afterwards, and that's where you had to say, look, enough's enough. We're going to have to make a change. If Mike McCarthy does not get fired – I'm sorry, Rick. Let me just finish real quick. If Mike McCarthy does not get fired and Adam Gaze – was the only reasonable head coaching hire to be there. Then I would be all for Adam Gaze. I, I, I just can't. It's, it's, it's just unfathomable and ridiculous. I'm sorry, Rick. Go ahead. 
No, and, you know, there's one unnamed individual that's not man enough to go by a name that's been giving uh, myself and the fellow writers a lot of flack here for for criticizing the Jets and how they went about this coaching hiring process. And you look at it, I mean, and this is a scenario, I mean, going back 19 years, I mean, uh, this was January of 2000 when Bill Belichick resigned on the first day on the job as the Jets head coach. And I think a major reason for why he did is because, again, the Leon Hess, the, the passing of uh, former owner Leon Hess, handing it over to the Johnson family. He saw that the Johnson family were meddlers. They didn't understand their role as the owners to sit back and allow football people to make football decisions. And I think you look at the Jets' job and the history of coaches they've hired, uh, there have been uh, times with power struggle. There have been times where the organizational command has not been sound, and that there is no coincidence that the Jets struggles, even in recent years, going from Rex Ryan's firing until uh, present day, why uh, this team has not been back to the playoffs since that AFC title game in Pittsburgh and Heinz Field. And I think that the Jets are very lucky to even have a guy like Adam Gase. I mean, you're turning away a great deal amount of candidates if you're going to have a GM and Mike McCagnan who it deserves every, every whatsoever to be on the hot seat, a guy that sitting yep. alongside Christopher Johnson on that at that press conference saying not even a single word acting like he is an untouchable guy that is Christopher Johnson's right-hand man when in fact he is as much part of the problem as Todd Bowles was with this team so to have Mike McCagnan as the guy that's hand-picking this head coach when his future in the in this organization is tenuous at best it's just a real head scratcher and you know Adam Gase it was funny because during the press conference one of the questions that come up you know did you ask about control over personnel and he said when he was in Miami, Adam Gase was very much involved in personnel. Of course, uh, the former general manager, Mike Tannenbaum, was the VP of player development with the Dolphins. And Gase was right alongside him picking scouting players in the draft, making uh, evaluations and making recommendations for draft selections. And, you know, he has a totally different role now with the Jets. He didn't even ask for, and the Jets didn't even put on the table, the opportunity for him to get involved in personnel. He's strictly looking at coaching the players that are in front of him. But, again, he's only going to be – he's the chef. And Mike McCagnan is the shopper who's going to provide the ingredients. And as we all know, the chef is only as good as the ingredients that are provided to him. And based on McCagnan's track record through the draft, through free agency, he's had some booms. I mean, you look at Sam Darnold, you look at Jamal Adams, those are fantastic picks, guys that are going to be a mainstay on this team for 10 years. But, you know, what do you, what do you, whether you want to look at a Darren Lee uh, or a Leonard Williams or, you know, through, the, through free agency, a guy like Tremaine Johnson, they've had some major whiffs as well. So just as much as Adam Gase is on a short leash, I feel like Mike McCagnan is kind of getting a pass in a way, and a lot of fans are forgetting that, you know, he, he the team struggles and why this roster was so flawed didn't just fall on the coaching. It fell on that front office leader and the general manager, Mike McCagnan. And let's not forget about Chris Herndon, too. I mean, that's, that's a lucky uh, get at tight end. So I think, yeah. you know, Herndon – you know, you can definitely put into the positive side of things for McCagnan, but definitely, you know, there's been a lot of misses, a couple of great hits, but more misses than hits. Go ahead, Michael. Can I, can I, can I say something? Because Rick, mm-hmm. Rick brought up a lot of great points in that day, what he just said. The first thing is, who are they going to attract? And that's shopping for the groceries. You have a head coach who had a very bad reputation with players down in South Florida. Channing Crowder went on WFAM last week, said... If you can think of any players who would want to come from the Dolphins, you can forget it. Now, I don't think the Jets are going to go out there looking to sign any Dolphin free agents this year. 
there's really nobody out there they would want from that team. But players talk. And, you know, if, if all you have to do is just – all you have to have is someone like a Cameron Wake or Nada Kamsu or someone of the ilk say to one of these free agents, say, you know, you really don't want to go to New York because I played for Adam Gase and he's kind of crazy. He's in that case. Or whatever it may be, a control freak. And then you have Mike McCagnan, who has shown time and time again an inability to properly scout players and to properly vet players before signing them. This has a recipe for disaster. I mean, we, we're very quickly in free agency, and this team has $100 million to spend. That's what's so scary about this. I think that's what's, what, what's really angry Jet fans more than anything. Now, I understand that, look, maybe McCarthy was never going to get the job. Maybe the Jets were really going to go out there and pursue a young coach to go along with this this pedigree of uh, a fast-paced offense that Gase does come from. But if you had brought in a Mike McCarthy, that, that now that you have somebody that out, overshines Mike McCagnon, someone's going to have more say to Mike McCagnon and somebody has a lot more knowledge about the players that are out there than Mike McCagnon does. So that's something that McCagnon did not want, I'm sure. I'm sure it's something that he wasn't in favor of. I, I don't know. I'm not privy to any conversations. That's just my assumption from having read what's happened here in the situation as it's broken down over the last few weeks. Yeah. I mean, that's the one thing we have to be concerned about is these assumptions that are going forward because we need to know what, what was the reason for this hire? Because you think, you know, you want to quote Wayne Gretzky and use it in, in a football sense, you know, well, this is where he wants to be for football. I mean, come on. That's ridiculous. Yeah, and, Everybody and Daniel, wants if I to may. Go ahead. Yeah, if I may weigh in here, you know, I just think it boils down to it. It seems to be in the Johnson gene pool that they are to a degree control freaks. They want to be involved. They listen to what the media is saying. They listen to what fans are saying. There's times where they, they give in to fan pressure. I mean, just look at when they went ahead and got Brett Favre. I mean, you know, who – look, Brett Favre had a stellar start to the year, 8-3, and three, and then injured his arm, and they finished 1-4 of four down the stretch – but who really would have thought that Brett Favre, uh, if you're a adept GM, you bring a guy like that in for one year and then you have to build it up all, you know, from scratch again. I mean, they make these rash decisions. I think it's fueled by ownership. It's driven by the Johnsons, whether it's Woody. We thought now that he has his post as the ambassador of the UK, you thought maybe they, the Johnsons be a little more hands off. They would let uh, the general manager do his job, let the football operations people do their jobs. But the fact is, I don't know whether it's a, a lack of trust in in the people that he works with, whether it's the fact that he just wants to control everything that's going on. I felt that Mike McCarthy, and look, you, you want to read whatever media reports are out there, Connor Rogers, uh, the Athletic New York, saying he was never in consideration. Uh, you know, from what I read, he was absolutely in consideration, that being Mike McCarthy. But, you know, a guy like that, a Super Bowl winner, a larger-than-life figure, you're going to have a heck of a lot more difficult time bringing in the reins on him and controlling him than you would a young guy like Adam Gase that you can make the argument this could be really his last opportunity to succeed as a head coach. And I think that's what it boiled down to was that the Johnsons wanted control. They wanted to be able to uh, hire and fire who they wanted. They wanted to have input on who Gase would put together as his assistant coaching staff. Because one of the things that Gase said during his introductory press conference that I thought was pretty telling was he said one of the mistakes he made in Miami was he was too hasty to put together a uh, assistant coaching staff. And he did that. His offense corner, Logan's a guy that was ranked as the worst player play caller in the entire NFL. He 
he obviously was alluding to that being a mistake hiring by him and a couple others that he made. And that, I think, must have come up during the meetings that the Johnsons said that they wanted some say and, and final seal of approval for who Gase was thinking about bringing in here. Because to me, and this Greg Williams hiring as the defensive coordinator is yep. just became official today. To me, that smells of the, of the Johnsons getting involved and trying to pair Gates with a, a very experienced and well-thought-of defensive coordinator to try to strengthen this coaching staff because I don't think Gates is acting on his own. I think that Mike McCagan is, is heavily involved, and I certainly think that Christopher Johnson is giving his two cents as well. I agree. And that's the thing here. Well, no, I agree, absolutely. And this is, let me just say this. Normally you would say, um, why is – Christopher Johnson worrying about the coaching staff. You know what? In a certain sense, I'll, I'll say thank you. I'll say thank you because at least, you know, Christopher Johnson is aware of what's going on. And let me just say this. I'm not saying Christopher Johnson should not worry about what goes on with this football team. But what I, we are saying is if you have a general manager running this NFL team, this football team, like a, like a, like a football business and not a normal business – then let your general manager make the hire. Let him do it and let your coach run the freaking roster. But if you don't I trust him, Gaze, well, right now he is, but what I'm saying is that if you don't have complete control and complete trust in Gaze, then what's the point of hiring him in the first place when you should have gone after somebody else? Well, it's, it, like Rick said, this is, this is the path they want to go and they want to have full control of everything. And the sad part is, I know we're right up against it here, there's a very good chance, considering Gates' history, considering the pressure on McCagnan, we're going to be doing this again in a year, maybe two years. I can definitely see it. Yeah, and that's the shame of it because you're going to ruin a year of Sam Darnold's development, and that's the shame of the whole thing. That's why. That is why I wrote on Twitter the amount of tweets I did because this is a kid that is the future of the league future for the Jets. He's going to do something spectacular. And the only way it gets ruined is if it's the wrong hire. And so far at the moment, it looks wrong. But if Adam Gaze does do the job, I will personally put out an apology. And at the same time, I'll write an article saying I was wrong. And I want to be wrong. But I can't trust it right now because at the moment, I think the Johnsons have made a serious error in judgment when it comes to hiring a head coach for this team and for this kid coming out of who just came out of USC in the draft last year, April. Ladies and gentlemen, this will do it for the Jets podcast on 24-7 Sports as we discuss the hiring of Adam Gaze as the new head coach of the New York Jets. For Rick Lachlan and Michael Cohen, I'm Daniel Feuerstein. Thank you very much for listening, folks. Join us later on. Uh, as we'll talk about some other things involving the Jets and former people that were involved with the Jets and maybe more Adam Gaze information. For, once again, Michael Cohen, Rick Lachlan, I'm Daniel Forsey, 24-7 Sports Podcast, Jets Podcast, through blogtalkradio.com. Talk to you next time. Bye-bye for now.